Well, our purpose to, to this morning is to work out whether God would say you are truly wise or a complete idiot, a fool. Uh, why don't we pray that God might make us wise. Father, thank you for your word and we pray as we engage with this uh, incredible book of Proverbs that you might teach us to be truly wise in your sight. Amen. Well, uh, I'm going to read this up for to get into the theme today, I thought I'd start with a bit of a game. For those of you who know me, uh, I like playing games. Uh, but uh, this game is, uh, do you know who said the following things? It's kind of a trivia game. There you go. So I'm going to put a quote up in here. Uh, stupid is as stupid does. Forrest Gump. Did Forrest Gump say that originally? His mother said it. Uh, so, uh, yes, but it was Forrest Gump quoting his mum. Uh, what about... Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? Oh, come on. Obi-Wan Kenobi. There you go, the original Star Wars. There you go. These ones will get a bit more difficult. Uh, Any fool can criticise, condemn and complain, and most fools do. (laughs) Anyone? Benjamin Franklin, there you go, uh, back in the 1800s. Uh, uh, that should say, I mistyped it, uh, I was young and foolish then, now I'm old and foolisher. <laughs> Anyone? It's uh, Mark Twain, there you go. My guess would have been Oscar Wilde, I reckon, but uh, Mark Twain, there you go. Uh, and there's another one that was from a guy I found on the internet, which I thought was pretty cool, but I'd never heard of him, so I won't ask you to guess who it was. There you go. Uh, there are people who walk against the wind, then there are people who pee against the wind. <laughs> uh, that's pretty cool, isn't it? There you go. Uh, today we're starting out on one of the most interesting and strange books of the Bible, uh, the book of Proverbs. Uh, it's a book that's totally unlike any other book uh, well, probably any other book that you've ever read, but any other book in the Bible, uh, because it doesn't follow a storyline. It's not going from here to here. It's not like a great narrative of history like in the Old Testament or, or like the prophets who kind of you know, are exposing the evil of Israel and explaining what the consequences are. Uh, and nor is it a long argument that you've got to follow like a lot of the books in the New Testament. In fact, at first glance, if you've ever dipped into it, it just appears to wander around and it's one random statement after another, but it's, it's a book that's full of little sayings. Uh, there are, there are sections like we read today that seem to go together, but, but most of it, it's just, here's something about work. Here's something about, uh, relationships. Here's something about, uh, ants. Here's something about birds, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and, and it's little adages. Uh, you know, proverbs about how to get along in this world. And it covers all kinds of areas of life, such as work, friendships, uh, marriage, parenting, and, and how to deal with people. Uh, it talks about subjects like money and gossip and arguing and alcohol and, and a hundred other things relating to normal everyday life. I think it's one of the reasons that uh, it's one of the most readable books in the Bible. Uh, you don't have to work hard to understand uh, in each individual bit. But it's also one of the most unreadable books because almost every verse says something new about a different topic. 
Uh, and it's all just kind of junked up together. And you kind of wonder why he did it, especially since he keeps coming back to the same subjects, but it might be three chapters later that he talks about work again. And so if you try and read it in large chunks altogether, it's almost impossible to absorb it uh, all. But, but if you read it slowly, then Proverbs has some very direct relevance to almost every aspect of your life. You don't have to go through any long processes of deduction to go from what's on the page to, to what, what is it I need to do. It just tells me what I need to do because it's all about living wisely. It's about how to be wise and not be a fool. Uh, and not just how to be wise in my own sight and not just in the sight of other people, but truly wise in the sight of God and how to make a success of life. It was written by King Solomon, uh, who uh, I believe over the holidays while I was away that uh, you guys are looking at, um, who King Solomon was about, oh, what, uh, 1,000 BC, uh, 3,000 or so years ago. Uh, he was the greatest king that Israel ever had. And at the height of his powers, he was renowned for being the wisest man in the world. In fact, people would take international tours to come and hear his wisdom and get his advice. Uh, the Queen of Sheba uh, was his most notable guest who came to, to learn at his feet. Uh, <laughs> over the course of Solomon's life, he wrote three different books which are part of our Bible, which are all books of wisdom. Uh, there's the Song of Songs, which is sometimes called the Song of Solomon, which is really about being in love. Yeah, it's a love song, really. It's not particularly logical, but then what would you expect from a love song? Yeah. Uh, I actually read the whole thing out to Alison on our honeymoon uh, out loud. There you go. She wasn't completely impressed when I got to, your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon looking over Damascus. Uh, I don't know why. I think probably the Tower of Lebanon was cute and petite and, you know, nice little curve to it. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the Tower of Lebanon looked like, but anyway, your, your nose is beautiful, darling. <laughs> I'm a fool for love too. I, uh, <laughs> then, then there's the book of Ecclesiastes. He also wrote that. And, and it asks a question about what gives life meaning and purpose. What really matters? What lasts, especially when you face death? What is it that matters when, when death is, is all people's destiny? And I think it's a great book. In fact, I think it's Ken's favourite book of the Bible um, because it just won't be put off with distractions like just because something's fun and something's interesting doesn't mean it has any real and lasting value. Now, it can be pretty grim in places, but it's totally realistic about the kind of things that people invest their lives in trying to chase in order to find meaning and purpose. And it asks the question, do those things deliver? And then there's the book of Proverbs, which is full of sayings that either Solomon wrote himself uh, and he thought up, which is about two-thirds of the book, or he gathered together from various other people. Most, most of them are kings uh, who are not kings of Israel, just other wise uh, people who saw. Uh, even uh, the last chapter is uh, the sayings of uh, King Lemuel that his mother gave to him. Yeah, like, uh, like Forrest Gump, his mother was very wise and Solomon liked King Lemuel's mother's words. But in the first few verses in chapter 1, he explains exactly why he wrote the book, 
what his purpose was. And so we're going to have a look at that uh, this morning. And so if you come to Proverbs chapter 1, I think it was 6.16 or something like that uh, in the Pew Bibles. I bring my own. I think it's handy to bring your own because you get familiar with it, although it does get a bit beaten up in your bag if you travel with it for many years. But anyway, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 1. Why did he write it? Well, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise." Why did Solomon write this book? Well, because he wanted you, he wanted everyone, he wanted people to be truly wise. Notice how many times he says the same thing in different words there. So you might have wisdom, instruction, insight, understanding, wise dealings, prudence, knowledge, discretion, learning, guidance. He also those those different words, which, I mean, we're not going to go into the subtleties of the differences between them, but he's using them pretty interchangeably so that you get the idea. It's like, you know, he's using a hammer to bash a hundred times on the same point, right? I want you to be wise. This is for anyone to be wise. What kind of wisdom, what kind of understanding, what kind of insight is he trying to give? Well, verse 3, it's the kind of wisdom that gives you discipline and prudence And so that we would always do what is right and just and fair. Right? So you can live a righteous life. That's what the word right there is. It's righteous life. That is, he's not giving us random facts so that we can win trivia quizzes down the pub um, about who said what quote, like I might have you do. Uh, And it's not abstract knowledge uh, or idle speculation that he's interested in. But he's talking about wise dealings in life. Wisdom for living in a way that's not just clever, but is righteous. A life that's, that's lived actually for everyone's benefit and, and will benefit everyone. It'll benefit you. It'll benefit everyone else as you, you do what's equitable and right and helpful for others, but also in a way that pleases and glorifies God. Because in the end, that's what righteousness is about, doing things God's way which happened to also be the sensible way, the right way. It's all in relationship to him. And who's he writing these Proverbs for? Well, he's writing them for anyone and everyone. He says, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're currently a simpleton, or whether you're already wise, I'm writing this book for you. It's for everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're part of the intelligentsia of society or whether you've got no education at all. He's writing this so you can learn how to live, how to be wise. Because wisdom in the end, according to Solomon and according to God, doesn't rest on your IQ. That's pretty good news, isn't it? You can be truly wise and not very smart. And likewise, you can be very smart and not very wise. I mean, we probably all know people like that, people who cut corners and walk off cliffs, who did pretty well at school and stuff and... You know, who also get on dodgy flying foxes and break both arms and both legs. I mean, who's done that before? You've heard that story, right? <laughs> or get into a car with no seatbelt and drive off a cliff and uh, end up getting... Anyway, oh, that's a story for another day. Anyway, that's... Uh, uh, we, <laughs> closing electrical panels and grabbing the back of the socket. Anyway, so... <laughs> uh, 
See, wisdom really has got nothing to do with brain power or academic results. I mean, who are the, who are the smartest people you, you've heard of in the world? You know, who's got the biggest brains, the biggest IQ? Who's, who's some famous people? Stephen Hawking, right? Albert Einstein, they are geniuses, right? Who've world-changing thoughts and discoveries. But, well, I think we'll see as we go on, the wisdom that he's talking about, they didn't have. They were dum-dums, according to Solomon. But we'll figure out as we go. I'll show you why later. And over the next term, we're going to explore what this wise life looks like when it gets down to brass tacks. But rather than work through chapter by chapter, uh, what we're going to do is take a topic each week and ask, what does true wisdom look like in that particular area of life as you kind of chase through the book of Proverbs? Wisdom, wisdom in friendships, wisdom in, in work, wisdom of what to do with your money uh, or in raising your child or in, in what to do with alcohol and so on. Solomon spells out what the wise life looks like that's a deep and rich blessing to you and others and which honours God. And so I reckon it's going to be a really exciting term, and, but also a very challenging one, right? Because it's, it's, it's going to call on us to, to, to analyse our own lives and say, is that how I'm doing it? Or why am I not doing it? And how could I do that? But rather than pick on one particular area of life today, um, Solomon says there's something fundamental that you've got to know if you're going to be truly wise overall in all these different areas of life. There's a kind of a, a basis, a, a fundamental you've got to understand. And really the whole first four chapters do nothing else than spell out what true wisdom looks like in the end. And that true wisdom is summed up in verse 7 of chapter 1. In fact, that verse really, I think, is the topic sentence of the whole book. It's, it's like the motto, the thing he's going to keep bringing up and repeating. It's, it's, uh, it's the thesis of the book. Here is where true wisdom begins. Here's where it starts. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Here's the beginning. Here's the starting point. Here's the foundation. And he says, if that's not your starting point, then you'll never be truly wise. Now, the word beginning uh, means more than just a first step. I mean, it is the first step, uh, but it's also the controlling and continuing step. If you want to go on a journey up to you know, McDonald's Minto or something, you've got to start the first step going that way, but it will lead you in the right direction. Or if you start going that way, you're not going to get there uh, unless you go around the industrial area. Uh, but that's the long way. Um, or it's a bit like a building. The, the first part of a building project, you know, after you've cleared the land, is laying the foundation, right? You've got to lay the foundation. Uh, but it's not just the first step. It also determines all sorts of things about the building that you're going to put on top of it. You know, the, building, the foundation determines the shape of the building. It determines the scope of the building. It determines how big the building can be and how heavy it can be and probably what materials you can therefore use. Uh, it determines all sorts of things about it. It's a, uh, it's a first step, but it's also the determining step because it sets the course from now on. If you want to come to wisdom, to understanding, to instruction, to true knowledge, to prudence, to discernment about life, then he says, this is the way. And on the flip side, the second half of verse 7 is a bar for those who, who don't want to start there and think, you know what, I can live without that and work it out myself. 
What does he say about that person? He says they're a fool. If you don't lay the right foundation, if you don't set out in the right direction, then you're a fool and nothing in the end is going to make sense and you'll make a real hash of things. And so if you want to be truly wise, the starting place is, well, what does he say? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or in chapter 9, it's the beginning of wisdom. That is the fear of God. That's who the Lord is. So what does it mean to fear the Lord or to fear God? Well, to figure that out, I want to uh, just step back in the Bible a bit to the book of Exodus. Now, you don't flip there. I'm going to put anything that's not really in the first couple of chapters in Proverbs up on the screen so you don't have to get flicking. We're going to spend quite a bit of time in the first few chapters of Proverbs. But back in the book of Exodus, second book of the Bible, not long after Moses had uh, saved the people of Israel uh, through miraculous you know, plagues and through the Red Sea and the Israelite army, sorry, the Egyptian army had died uh, when the waves came crashing down. They, they came to a place called Mount Sinai where Israel received God's commandments, which includes the Ten Commandments, right? No murder and you know, no other gods and all those kind of things. But also they received there the Book of the Covenant. And so a lot of the Exodus and Leviticus comes from uh, what happened at Mount Sinai. But it all came in the midst of very dramatic circumstances. It was, it's not just a, a, you know, a whole list of laws. Uh, a whole lot of other things happen uh, in the midst of it. There's the sound of a trumpet blowing out from this mountain. There's flashes of lightning. There's the sound of thunder and there's smoke and clouds. In fact, the whole mountain gets roped off at one point so that no one can accidentally walk onto it you know it's kind of like the uh, the yellow safety area you know in your workplace or on the train station <laughs> because if you walk onto it onto the mountain or if any of the livestock were to walk onto the mountain they would die and so you get to exodus chapter 20 and the 10 commandments have just come but then verses 18 to 20 go like this sorry that's a bit small I had to fit a lot on the screen When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Now get this bit, the bold bit at the bottom. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Now, you reflect on that a moment. That's a very strange verse, isn't it? Verse 20, down the bottom there. Uh, Don't be afraid. God's doing this so that you'll be afraid. (laughs) Uh, That's a very strange thing to say. But that is, there is a wrong way to fear God that they're not to have. And there's a right fear of God that they are to have. So what's the wrong way to fear God and what's the right way? Well, don't be afraid in the sense that you don't need to panic that you're about to be zotted by God and that all that's going to be left is, you know, a pair of smoking boots. You know, that kind of thing. You know, don't, don't be afraid that the smoke and thunder are going to come off the mountain and come over the rope that's you know, protecting you all and just come out and get you because God, you know, God's brought you here to destroy you. That's not why he's come. There's nothing to be afraid of in that sense. I mean, you break the rule and you come on the mountain, maybe you should be afraid that way, but but he's not here to destroy you. What he's doing is coming to test you and to teach you to fear him. 
That is to respect him, to obey him, to submit to him. And so while it's right to fear God because he's thumping powerful and way more mighty than you are and your life is in his hands, it's not primarily about cowering in abject terror. It's about standing in complete awe and respect and reverence, submitting myself to him, obeying him. How is it that the people in Exodus 20 are to show their fear of the Lord? By obeying his commandments that he's giving them. That shows their fear of the Lord. Or uh, you come to the book of Proverbs and uh, he says things like this. In chapter 8, we're told that uh, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Hating evil is part of what it means to fear God. Or in Proverbs 22 and verse 4, and for some reason I just changed that slide and didn't get fixed anyway. um, uh, Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honour and life. To be a humble person who's obedient to God is to be a person who's in fear of the Lord. Or in Psalm 111, uh, just stepping outside of uh, Proverbs for a moment, uh, we're told about the mighty deeds of God, how, that he, he's the majestic creator who formed the heavens and the earth, who provides for his world and in particular saves his people. And, and he enters into covenant with them to be their God. And, and the end of the psalm goes like this. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. And they've translated awesome because they can't bear to put the word, which is terrifying. Holy and terrifying is God's name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. When you understand God, when you understand who he is, that he is the almighty maker, that he made you, that he's the ruler of heaven and earth. When you understand that he's rescued you, well, from Egypt in the case of the Jews, and, and he set you up as his nation and his people, then you've got to have a right regard and respect for him and his words. And that's why Einstein and Hawking, as intelligent as they are, are the greatest fools in the world. Um, Hawking, not long before he died, um, I did have the quote on the screen, but for some reason it hasn't updated. I changed the file just for the service, but... Uh, my my computer foo is is low today. Uh, uh, so um, he says, I believe in science. Uh, science has taught me the mind of God. We could know everything that God knows if He exists. I am an atheist. Uh, right, and that was not long before he died. Uh, Einstein. Uh, he's got a famous quote about wisdom and foolishness. He says, uh, God looks down and sees that all people are equally wise and equally foolish. Well, that's not what God's saying. God's saying there are, there's a definite people he regards as wise and there are people God regards as particularly foolish. You're wise if you fear him. And so that is the start of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But if that's the beginning of wisdom, how do you grow in wisdom? Well, you do it as you listen to God as he speaks. 
right? Because you're in awe of him and he, you're listening and you submit yourself to him, so you listen to what he says. And so have a look at Proverbs chapter 2. Come, come to Proverbs chapter 2. I'll make you look this one up. He says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding... And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Why? Well, because verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. Right? He's not silent. He's not hoping you'll work it out. He gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You want to be truly wise? You've got to start with the fear of God, and then you've got to listen to his word. Listen, not just in the sense of just remembering facts and and being able to quote verses of the Bible off by heart, but listen in the sense of taking what he says to heart, heeding, cherishing, obeying, submitting in all humility, because he made me and he owns me and he saved me. If you say you fear him as God, then you've got to treat him as God and let him call the shots. Uh, In Isaiah 66, uh, God says, this is the one I esteem. This is the one that God you know, uh, values. The one who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. Right? You, you're going, what's God got to say to me? How am I going to organize my life around his ways? That's who God respects. And so the beginning of the wisdom is to fear the Lord. The way to grow in true wisdom is to humbly listen to his word. But what are the benefits of it? Why go this way? What's the result? Well, come to Proverbs chapter 3. My son, this is the start of Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favour and a good name in the sight of God and in the sight of man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Now, I, I know many people have that as kind of a, you know, their verse on the wall at home on the poster and that kind of thing, that verse 5 there. And it's a pretty awesome promise, isn't it? You know, there's peace and prosperity and a good name in God's side. And uh, now, is that a promise for automatic success in everything you do in life? Uh, it sounds a bit like it, doesn't it? That if you fear God and humbly submit to His ways and you honour Him and trust Him, then everything's just going to work out right, and all your relationships are going to be great all the time, and you know, you're going to have all the money you ever need, and. Uh, you'll never be in want and everyone's going to respect you and love you. Is, you know, is, that, is that what he's promising? Well, it is and it isn't. It isn't because the world is fallen and broken. And Solomon even points that out throughout the book, even at the end of chapter 1 there, we read it before, you know, there will be people plotting plunder and murder and all those kind of things and they will get ahead. You know, their houses will be filled with treasure for a time, right, till they're either busted uh, or things come undone or they turn on each other or, you know, kind of thing. He says, don't go that way. But he points out that even when people get ahead, it, you'll be tempted to ignore God and join in with them. And, and in his other book, Ecclesiastes, he really majors on the idea of futility 
in chasing these things um, as a counterpoint when the wicked and lazy do prosper. They do sometimes prosper in this life. And so to say that if you have faith, everything's going to work out just right and just the way you want it is, is, is just a lie, right? And I know there are churches that teach that, but it's a mistake. It's a lie. But having said that, in most cases, the wisdom of God and his ways will actually play itself out and you will do better in life. You will have peace and prosperity and good relationships. God has set this world up. He knows how it works. And so uh, he, he's right when he speaks about how, thing, how to go. That there's a logic and an order to the way things work when they're done God's way because he made it and he's good. And so when God says things in Proverbs, like we'll come across in the next few weeks, uh, work hard and uh, you'll, you'll eat, but be a lazy bum and you'll starve, there's a logic to that, isn't there? Um, there's a truth to it. You know, when he says a real friend is a friend when you're in need and not just a fair weather friend, right? They are, they, how do you mark the friends in your life who you really value and, and you should invest your time in, well, it's the ones who are there through thick and thin, right? Not just the ones who are good to have a laugh with, right? They're the ones to stick with, and they're the ones who are sticking with you. Because there's a logic to the world. And Proverbs, by and large, is presenting that logic, why, why God's ways just make sense, why they work, particularly in areas of the law, like the Ten Commandments. You know, he says, do not commit adultery, Right, that's a command from God. But then there's whole tr- sections of Proverbs dealing with how dumb it is to be an adulterer. Right? It's not just that God has whacked it out there and said, don't do it and, you know, given you no reason why. Here's the reasons why. Because, you know, the, the woman's husband's going to come after you, right? Because you're going to arrest it because you're an idiot. You can excuse a thief who steals bread, right? Because he's hungry. Yeah, but there's no excuse for stealing someone else's wife. Right? That's the kind of things he's going to say, right? So, so God's law actually is right and helpful and wise and good and wholesome. And you see it working out in reality as people come to Christ and put their lives in his hands. You know, you give up your life of addiction and alcohol to alcohol or drugs or gambling or whatever it is because you've come to Christ, and all of a sudden, surprise, surprise, You've got money, right? And you can start to do things that you'd only ever dreamed of. Or, you know, you get converted and, and, and stop living in bitterness and resentment to everyone, but start learning to forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Then surprise, surprise, by and large, not all the time, but relationships tend to become easier and people start to like you. Um, you know, it's not automatic it's not instant prosperity that solomon is promising but god's ways work that's one of the one of the challenges that people in the, the churches in the georges river region are facing you know just up the road from from marrickville down to liverpool and out to kind of guildford there's kind of this this triangle uh, of churches that are struggling and small but you know what they're seeing people become christians more than any other churches in australia they have these huge numbers of people coming to christ you think why aren't they growing well because 
people get saved, they come to Jesus, they start to sort out all kinds of things in life and think, I don't want to live here anymore. Uh, and so if the people who get converted in Kellyville, uh, sorry, in Guildford, move to Kellyville. The people who get converted um, in, in around Liverpool, they move out to the new housing estates and things like that. And so the churches just struggle along, but they're doing wonderful work. It's a great thing and stuff, but people's lives are being turned around because God's ways work. And even if there's not amazing prosperity now, Solomon says the truly wise person knows there's something even more important than just outstanding success in this world and having all the money you could ever want. That is, there's a judgment to come. And God is just, and while evil men and mockers and godless people might look like they're succeeding in the short term, they might even succeed in the long term and never be caught. In eternity, their folly is going to be proven and your wisdom will be demonstrated as God exalts his people. True wisdom is found in fearing the Lord. It's found in humbly submitting yourself to him. It's found in wholeheartedly trusting him. And to do otherwise is sheer folly. You'd be an idiot. Now, the sad reality is that the world we live in is one that's just full of foolishness, the folly of the godless way of life. And, and it's so easy to be part of ourselves, isn't it? It's so easy because it's where we all come from, right? It's, it's who we are by nature, right? We've been saved from it, but, but it tugs at us. And it's Romans 1, that other reading we had, says that we were all that way by nature. You know, we all grow up as part of this world, which is marked by godlessness and wickedness of people who want to deny God and just do our own thing. And so verse 21, he says... For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, and you know our society and the intelligence think that they're wise, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. They've become fools because God's not at the centre of it. Now, it's a fairly rude comment, isn't it? But when you know something's the truth and yet you refuse to acknowledge it as the truth and you refuse to live by it, then you're living the life of a lie. And if you think you can be wise by living the lie, then you really are very foolish. And as you read on, if you care to read on in Romans 1 later, you see the disaster of life that people find themselves in as they pursue that life without God. The mess they create as they live by greed and depravity and immorality and hating and being hated and envying and fighting and gossiping and and it's a disaster it's a disaster in this life even and it's certainly a disaster in eternity when god brings his judgment it's the complete complete stupidity we all lived in in the past and that we're all tempted to give into to think that we can be wise by denying god and by denying what he says but the wonderful news is that God just hasn't left us to figure it all out and dig ourselves out of that ditch. We've got something that Solomon, with all his greatness and wisdom, only saw from a distance. He had hints and shadows of it. But we've got it personally. And that is, God has come to save us from all that in Jesus Christ. That's why he came for us, to save us from our evil, to save us from stupidity, our own stupidity, to save us from our foolishness and set us back in right relationship with God. And so no wonder Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, 
that in Christ Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are tied up with Jesus Christ. Now, 1 Corinthians says, you know, the world will look at Jesus and particularly him dying on a cross as a great foolishness and stupidity. And why would you want to follow a guy, the leader who died? Well, because he rose again, because he gives life. And really, Jesus is the true wisdom from God. He truly is the Lord whom we're to fear if we're to come to understand life. Here is the way to start. Here is the place to start, to see God for who he is, the mighty creator who comes to save, specifically to see Jesus, our saviour and king, to see him with such clear perception that we now treat him right as our creator, as our Lord, as our God. In other words, to fear him. It's only in God's mercy that we can do that. But once I start my life on that basis, then I can grow in the wisdom of living. Jesus is the rock. He's the foundation stone of wisdom. He is the Lord. If you don't have Jesus, you'll never have this wisdom until you come to him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Trust in him and rely not on your own understanding and he will make all your paths straight. Father, these are going to be challenging weeks and exciting weeks. We pray that we might learn what it is to fear you and that we might live a life that is right and just and fair in all these different areas. Please give us the uh, openness and courage to, to, to see ourselves in the light of your word and to respond with humility and obedience, to, to work out uh, how we can do better in your ways or learn your ways maybe for the first time. Father, thank you for your mercy in Jesus. Help us to be those who trust him and uh, start off with, with that right direction that is the heart of all wisdom, knowing you and fearing you. Amen.